Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. For some farmers, electricity to power things like pumps is one of their biggest costs. However, with careful planning and investment, it can also be a significant way to add back to the bottom line. G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and the savings are usually accompanied by a reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. Jonathan Chislett is Business and Nursery Manager at Chislett Farms. He saw the energy costs of their enterprise rising considerably and decided to do something about it. To discuss what that was, he joins us for this AgVic Talk podcast. Jonathan, thanks for your time. No worries. Jonathan, I understand your grandfather came to that part of the world quite some time ago and worked very hard in the process. Yeah, my grandfather and his brothers had a sawmill operation in Boundary Bend. I think at some stage in the 1950s, he moved out to Kenley and and started a citrus farm. Citrus farm, but you do a lot more than just growing a few uh, navels and other oranges at the moment. Describe the size of the operation, what goes on now. My grandfather, Norm, established about 50 acres of citrus, but since then the business has grown considerably and diversified into other horticultural products as well. So citrus is still our main product, but we do avocados and pistachios as well. And uh, as you mentioned, I think uh, in the introduction, I, I look after the the nursery and the some of the business side of things. And um, in the nursery, we produce similar commodities, so avocado trees, citrus trees and, and pistachios. It's quite a big operation, Jonathan. Over what sort of area and, and how many people have you got working on that? In terms of area, we might have about four or five hundred hectares, either planted or, or under development across four or five sites. The nursery itself is situated at Kenley and that's probably the major employer, I guess, or labour, has the biggest labour requirement. During the, the sort of peak times, we might have about 80 employees and maybe another 20 or 30, 40 contractors as well. Jonathan, it's a large operation to say the least, and I'm guessing the thing that enables you to be there and do that is access to water. Yeah, no, that's right. It is, yeah, yep. And that access to the water, though, that that comes with a big cost in terms of pumping, I'd assume. Yep, no, you're right there. Um, It is quite expensive to extract the water from the river in in terms of electricity. Yeah, it's one of our bigger costs. I'd imagine in recent years you would have seen those costs rising. Is that what motivated you to start looking at, okay, well, we need to change things? Yeah, no, we're always looking at options to try and reduce input costs. So, yeah, we started looking at options around how to tackle that probably four years ago. We looked at making sure we were pumping as efficiently as we could and making sure we had soft starters and VFDs on all our pumps, obviously trying to run them when the power was cheapest. And from there, we started exploring options around solar and how we could reduce our costs and our consumption of electricity that way. You used a couple of terms there, soft starters and VFDs. For those unfamiliar, what are those? They're drives on the motors, which make sure your your motors are running efficiently. They limit start-up electricity usage and making sure your pumps are, are running as efficiently as they can be. In your business, I imagine you've got to be expert across a lot of areas. You're dealing with a lot of things, but energy is probably <laughs> not the usual remit for a primary producer. So did you turn to expert advice? 
I guess we did in a way. Um, we probably started having discussions just with our, our electrician who does all our work and we discussed various ideas and options on how to reduce our pumping costs and one thing led to another and we we sort of started looking towards solar maybe four years ago. In this process, did you get an energy audit done? Yeah, we did. Like a lot of farmers, you get plenty of sort of cold calls and people offering different options and ideas around solar. So we, we started uh, investigating that and I think in maybe late 2018 or 2019, there was some funding became available through the, the Victorian government and um, one of the prerequisites, I think, to qualify for that funding was to have an audit done. We had an audit completed, I think, in 2020 as a part of that program. And that audit process, were there any surprising results that you got out of that? Oh, to be honest, not really. We looked at that whole part of the business in a lot of detail with our electrician prior to that audit. So the results of the audit were probably pretty much in line with what we were already thinking at the time. Sounds like you've got a fortunate relationship there with an electrician who has got pretty good insight in that space. Yeah, yep. He recommended then, what, things like the variable drives and the soft startups? Yes, yep, yep. So how has it benefited your business now? We've had three solar systems installed on three separate pumping sites, probably for the best part of 10 months now, and um, it's resulted in a big reduction in, in how much electricity we're consuming, particularly during the peak pumping periods. On rough numbers, we, we might have cut our electricity consumption by sort of up to 50 55%. That's a significant saving, Jonathan. What sort of return on investment period are you looking at and how big are those solar farms? I think we put in 280 kilowatts across three sites. So yeah, a couple of sites with 100 kilowatts and one at 80. Yeah, look, we haven't done a lot of analysis on the on the payback side of it, but we sort of think it'll it'll have paid for itself well and truly in four or five years' time. That's quite a quick return on investment, really, isn't it? And money in your pocket in four or five years' time. Yeah, for us it sort of made sense to go ahead and do it. One of our bigger costs, we're always having to pump um, and a lot of times during the middle of the day. It just seemed like a really neat solution for us to go ahead and put some solar in and, and try and offset some of those costs. Jonathan, would there be any key bits of advice that you give to other farmers if they're thinking about embarking on an energy journey? I've spoken to a lot of people about our project and a lot of people you speak to are still in the the early phase, I guess, of considering whether they do something or they don't. That was one of our key decisions that we made early on was that we did want to do something. Four or five years ago when we, we started looking at it, you think of what the power price was then compared to what it is now. So all, all the assumptions we made four or five years ago were very conservative in today's uh, electricity market. So I think um, once you've made a decision to do something, it's a matter of doing some research and comparing different options of different providers, different ways of financing things and, um, and just trying to navigate through all those options till you get your result. It sounds like you were very lucky that you had somebody in terms of your electrician advising you along the way. Yeah, no, that's that's crucial. It's quite a complex process. There's a lot of terminology that we weren't familiar with initially. So you really need someone to decipher that for you and, and, and give you some advice, independent advice, of course. Otherwise, you, you can get a bit lost, I think. 
With such a large operation, Jonathan Chislett had access to good energy advice through a strong relationship with a well-informed electrician. For those not in that situation, a starting point may be an energy audit with a person like Mark Barber, Principal Energy Consultant with Northmore Gordon. It's a role that's involved agricultural energy investment plan assessments. We work in a broad range of areas, but um, farming is certainly a big part of our focus. We've completed something like 200 energy audits on Victorian dairy farms in recent times, so it's been a fairly large uh, focus for us. And for good reason. I mean, the carbon footprint, energy footprint of the food supply chain is is, um, fairly significant in the scheme of things and justifies a a strong focus to address the uh, challenge of reducing that footprint. You mentioned there the carbon footprint. Is that part of the equation for the primary producers you're dealing with or is it really just trying to get the cost down or is it a suite of things they're aiming to achieve? It's really both. I mean, the primary motive is primarily about energy efficiency and reducing energy consumption and energy costs, but energy consumption is closely coupled with greenhouse footprint, greenhouse emissions, and, and so that's a natural part of the uh, benefit of doing an energy audit is identifying the opportunity to reduce carbon footprint as well. Mark, for a dairy operation, what sort of percentage of their cost should energy be? Almost every farm we audited, audit, there's an opportunity to reduce energy use. In the order of sort of 5 to 25% of their energy costs can be reduced in a cost-effective and, and viable manner. It's also interesting to note that what we've observed is the energy intensity for harvesting of milk varies a lot from farm to farm by about a factor of three. And it's measured as kilowatt hours per litre of milk harvested. And surprisingly, um, there's a huge variation from farm to farm, So, which indicates a significant room for improvement for, for many farms. Mark, that's really quite a considerable variation and also a considerable opportunity in terms of savings. Absolutely. And, and often these opportunities are for improvement are low cost or no cost. And there's often no downside, usually no downside to making these improvements. Okay, well, in terms of these opportunities, Mark, what steps can a farmer take to identify energy opportunities in their business? Well, I think a good place to start is to uh, develop a mindset of paying close attention to energy usage and getting in the habit of monitoring energy use and dive into the detail and understand where the energy is being used, how it's being used, when it's being used, and treat that as an important business metric to track over time. Mark, I imagine there's other things too that a farmer should start looking over the fence for want of a better description and seeing what's going on elsewhere. Yeah, that's really important, Drew. Really important to talk to peers in the industry and identify um, what else is happening, what other farmers are doing in this space. I think measurement is really important, measuring energy intensity. Um, If I can go back to dairy farms again, we highly recommend that farmers get in the habit of measuring and tracking the kilowatt hours used per litre of milk harvested and track that over time and compare that uh, with other farms in the same sector. There's an old adage that you can't manage what you don't measure and energy is one of those, certainly fits into that category. It sounds like a really fundamental metric, kilowatt hours per litre of milk. So if you're going to go down the path of an energy audit, what's the process of completing an energy audit? Okay, so an energy audit is ideally would be conducted in alignment with the Australian and New Zealand standard 3598 which is the standard we reference when we conduct our audits. The heart of an audit is the on-farm inspection and assessment. There's no doubt about that. But prior to visiting a farm, we, we do need to gather and analyse as much information related to energy use as possible. When we're working with a farmer, we, we request a fair bit of detail. We like to get our hands on 
two years' worth of energy bills and energy usage data from their meters. So by the time we get to farm, we've already have a good understanding about their operation and how they're using energy and when they're using energy. And then during the farm inspection, we, we'll study operations in detail, analyse where and how energy is used and identify opportunities for improvement. Mark, at the start there, you mentioned Australia New Zealand standard. That sounds like the first tick in a box that anybody should be checking to see that's there if they're engaging an auditor. That's right, Drew. I mean, that's, that's a very um, well-developed methodology that's laid out quite clearly, and it's important to make sure that any auditor is referencing that in their process. If it's a very well-laid-out methodology, what information does the audit tell the farmer about the energy use on their farm? The outcome of the whole process is a detailed report that we provide that includes things like a detailed energy use breakdown so that there's absolute clarity around where energy is used, when it's used and, and how it's used, which pieces of equipment are, are using the most amount of energy. The report includes calculations on the difference in operating costs of current versus best practice. It also includes a list of any improvement opportunities that have been developed, description of those, estimates of energy and carbon savings and preliminary capital costings. And as part of that, we would recommend sizing of equipment such as pumps, variable speed drives, solar systems, etc., and also provide some practical next steps. We would also identify any relevant incentive schemes, government incentive schemes, and uh, quantify the potential benefits available from those schemes. You mentioned there you identify opportunities. What are some of the common ones that you do identify? It's a good question. So it varies from farm type to farm type, of course. So if I talk about poultry farms, very common opportunity there is the upgrade of ventilation fans and fan motors and ventilation controls. What we commonly find is there's a high dependence on ventilation for good reason, but often those fans are old technology and, and can be upgraded to more modern, more efficient fans. Not just more efficient, but also offer the ability to control the speed and regulate the airflow to suit the needs of the shed, depending on the uh, stage of bird growth and depending on ambient temperature. And slowing down fan motors and pump motors can have a very significant impact on energy bills. In the case of vineyards, it's all about irrigation, variable speed drives on pumps, moisture sensors in the field to control water supply, etc. In fact, pumping systems really applies across most farms. Part of our service is to review pump systems, existing pump systems, and confirm that, that the pump and the, and the motor are, are correctly sized and performing as they're, as they're meant to. We commonly find pumps are no longer performing as they should, or they've been oversized or undersized, and these all result in poor efficiency. In the case of dairies, um, very common opportunity there is to improve the milk pre-cooler, plate cooler, which is the first step in the, in the cooling process. We commonly find that they're not performing correctly, and the good news is that that can typically be readily rectified. Mark, you mentioned variable speed drives. Not so long ago, an electric motor was either on or off. For saving power, how important is having motors that can vary their output? The principle behind saving energy through variable speed drives is really interesting. The key point being that the savings are not proportional to the reduction in speed. So a small reduction in RPM of a motor, whether it be a vacuum pump or a water pump, for example, or a fan, results in a quite significant savings. It's a non-linear relationship. And so a small reduction in speed results in a large saving of energy. And it's very common on farms and in industry to see systems that are running too fast or commonly common places to have the, the flow rate of a, of a system regulated with a control valve 
it's a bit like driving a car with your foot flat on the accelerator and regulating the speed with the brake. A more efficient and smarter way to control a pumping system is to have a variable speed on the motor and change the, uh, the speed through the RPM of the motor to meet the needs of the system. Mark, energy auditors, your work to ANZ standards and you identify opportunities, does that then involve the next step of actually supplying equipment? It's really important to note that energy auditors don't sell equipment. Our interest is in making sure that any equipment that gets chosen or specified is sized correctly and chosen correctly to suit the purpose. A really good example is solar PV. Part of our role is to make sure that the system size that's recommended is actually right sized to suit the farm's needs and optimised to maximise return on investment. Mark, for those listening to this, what last thought would you like to leave them with if they're contemplating getting an energy audit done? Well, of the 175 farms or so that we've audited, we've not found any cases where there's no room for improvement. That's an important point. Secondly, many of those opportunities don't require capital. They require very little cost to rectify. In many cases, it's a simple change to operations and, and control point settings and so on. It's also worth noting, I think a really important point is that unlike other forms of waste, energy waste is not visible. If water is leaking from a tank or waste is um, building up in a corner, it's quite visible, but energy can be wasted without you knowing. Utilising the, um, the skills and the eyes of a specialist energy auditor to uncover and bring those opportunities to the surface is, is really important. Mark Barber, that's a great point to finish on, those independent eyes, those qualified eyes to give somebody the perspective they need to be able to make a decision about what energy changes and investments they need to make. Mark Barber, Principal Energy Consultant for Northmore Gordon, thank you for taking the time and joining us for this AgVic Talk podcast. You're most welcome, Drew. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.